PFT Media. You are now listening to Cinema Crespediso. Chris Crespo Radio Show. Everybody likes it. Listen to his shit. Ladies and gentlemen, in a world where Cinema Crespediso is on episode 436, you are alone and wanting and needing us, Drusa Cogburn. Needing? That's, that's, that's yes, a Yes, they need us, Drusa Cogburn. I'm not sure if need is the word I would use <laughs> to describe what's going on here. Sam Witwicky. This, this is not a necessity. The podcast listeners need Cinema Crespediso. I mean... To survive? Yes, to survive your life. To survive your life, you need a Crespity show. I don't have a toilet paper. That's <laughs> you, my secret, the you, toilet paper roll. You really need to have one. Yeah. I even thought about it today. I was like, should I bring this downstairs? As yes. I, as I was shitting. Yes, you should. As I was shitting and thinking about the show, I was like, should I yes. bring this? The, the answer is yes. Next time. You should have. Juice the Cogburn. Uh, you, you are now on your second dose. Two days after yes. a second dose of, uh-huh. of vaccinations. Yes, I got I got my post vax sniffles. You got your post. Is that is those uh, Pfizer sniffles? Mm-hmm. Them's the Pfizer sniffles. Ooh. So you're getting Pfizer sniffles. That's better than the Moderna arm. You know about that Moderna arm? I mean, it can't be. I mean, the Pfizer arm was pretty bad. It felt like somebody knuckle punched me right in my bicep. Sure, no, but the Moderna arm will pop up as like. Um, like almost like or hives in a, in a week, yeah. a week after the second dose, the arm breaks out in like crazy hives and stuff, and it's harmless and people are fine, but yeah. it just looks gross. Foul. Moderna arm. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Is, is that like avocado hand? It's like when you got avocado. What the hell is avocado hand? You're not you're, you're not familiar with I, avocado hand. I don't think hand? I'm familiar with avocado okay, hand. Okay, so uh, you, you know how you I know get, what club hand is. You, you know how uh, whenever you get avocados in restaurants, like they're all fanned out and sliced super thin. Yeah. Right. That 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 is done in the husk. Okay. So you just sit there with a really sharp knife and you slice it in the husk. Yeah. And you're holding it in the palm of your hand. Yeah. And if you're not paying attention to what you're doing. Yeah. And your knife's sharp enough. Yeah. You can go right through that husk. Yeah. And then you just into your hand. Slice, 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 slice your hand. It is called avocado oh, hand. Oh, so and it happens in the kitchen quite often. So it's similar to club hand, and that is a kitchen thing. Yes. All right. I don't know about avocado hand. hand. I know about cutting off your fingertips. I I know about people getting stabbed and faces burned, noses burned off. I heard of that stories and things like Uh that. I've not heard of avocado hand. That's a fun one. That's a good one. Uh, guys, we talking kitchen mishaps with Drusa Cogburn. Do you work in kitchens? So you have no, we're not. No, we're not. Guys, we are not (laughs) talking kitchen mishaps. Never mind. Now I'm gonna turn this mic just a little more towards your face so you can be comfortable, buddy. Um, kitchens are dangerous places. They're full of sharp, pointy things and fire. So if uh, you think uh, cooks don't deserve a living wage and you're an asshole. So, Trusa Cogman, we have a lot to talk about. Number of movies. We got media diet stuff and then a shit ton of stories for the second half. So we're going to jump into the big movie of the weekend, which I saw in theaters. Saw on HBO Max. And you saw on HBO Max. That would be Those Who Wish Us Dead, mm-hmm. the new Taylor Sheridan film. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Mm, not really my cup of tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. P- pretty boring. Uh, I think 
the thing that got me the most mm-hmm. was I do not believe that Angelina Jolie is, was, or ever could be a fire jumper. A smoke jumper? Yeah, no. The other all, all the other smoke jumpers are all these like big dudes with I mustaches. Don't, it is not that I don't <laughs> believe a female couldn't be a smoke jumper. No, she is a tiny female. But Angelina not not Angelina Jolie. Yeah, the character even says calls her skinny at one point and oh. she's like, Hey, I'm lean. Yeah, no. It yeah, no, just Completely unbelievable. Doesn't seem like she has the grit needed to no. to fight the fire mm. of raging forest fire. Um, you know, everything else about the movie was. Yeah, I, I mean, don't, I don't, it, just, it is what it is. It's weirdly. I don't want to say it's generic because it, this plot is just a little too weird to be generic. Yeah, this whole but, thing with this this kid is running from killers, but and a firefighter has to save him. That's weird. But not only is it generic, it's because, I mean... It's just, but... Mm. It is, though. It feels like it doesn't do anything new it's with anything. It's oddly generic. It's, it, but it also feels like the thing that people say they don't make anymore, which is, which you made a lot in the 90s, which is the mid-budget R-rated movie for adults. It's uh-huh. like a $40, $50 million movie, it yeah. feels like. It's not that expensive, yeah. but it's not that cheap. No. And then it's R-rated, so it's not for kids, so where are they going to make their money back? Uh, it's a type of thing they don't make too much, so I want to root for it. But then it's like, hey, when it was done, I was like, hey, it's like, what am I going to recommend to people? I'm not sure if I can believe Nicholas Holt is a bad guy. Nicholas Holt, I think I am officially dunzo with Nicholas Holt. He's had so many chances. I mean, I'm just... He's one of these guys that Hollywood keeps... He's going to be a thing. We're going to make him a thing. He's never been a thing for me. I'm ambivalent towards him. Uh, Yes. He's he's getting the Ryan Reynolds treatment. They tried so hard with Ryan Reynolds for so long. It took them, what... 25 years for him to finally click. To finally get a Deadpool. <laughs> Are we going to wait another 20 years for Nicholas Holt to finally get something where we're going to go, oh, okay, yeah, he's fine now. Yeah. Right? I don't I don't know. And even Ryan Reynolds, I argue, had a, a Van Wilder and a two guys, a girl, and a pizza place to as his building the 20 years yeah. of trying to make him happen. Mm-hmm. For us, Nicholas Holt just comes out of nowhere. He gets yeah. cast in, what, a goddamn X-Men movie and we're yeah. supposed to like him? Yeah. I don't know. He's some, guy for. he's some Brit. He's just some fucking Brit. Why are we got? I'm sure. I'm sure he's done working. You know, in Britain. Yeah. Am I British? No, I'm not British. I wish I was sometimes, but I'm not. I'm an American, and I don't know who this Nicholas Holt fella is. Wait, no. well, I don't know who Nicholas Holt. Give me a. I mean, Mad Max Fury Road aside, in which he's not anywhere close to the best thing of that movie. No, I don't want to say the worst thing because there's nothing bad about that movie. No, 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 no. But he's definitely not the best thing of that movie. Uh, yeah, on the list of like awesome things, Nicholas Holt's Warboy character, whatever his name is, is way down well, on and, that and, list. And of here's good the things. thing: it's not like he made the character. Like that could have mm-hmm. be that could be any that could have been Steven Dorf. Anybody that, that, that could have been literally anybody that could have been uh, Gaga Mbuthu Raw, whatever her name is. That could have uh-huh. been. Yeah. Is that how you say your yeah, name? Good. Um, yeah, for real. Like, yeah, so anybody ambivalent is a great word. So I'm yes. I, I, I'm off the Nicholas Holt train. Didn't even want to be on it. Get me off this thing. Stop casting and everything. He has enough money. He can now like I mean, transition to a different career doing something else. As far as I'm concerned, the best thing he's done is crossing swords, and he was just a voice on that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that crossing sword. Yeah. Um, and then Littlefinger. You know what I had fun with Littlefinger watch? I you know what I enjoyed watching him in this movie? Because none of his shirts fit. I didn't realize that. <laughs> none of his shirts fit. None of them. I, wh- none they, of his shirts fit him properly. Were, were they all just too big on him? Or? Uh, slightly. All, yeah, it was maybe really weird. So maybe that role was cast for someone else. And he was a last minute replacement, and they were just like, "We already have the costuming. You just you, you got to make it work." Um, 
I liked any time a word with like AR comes up and uh, that Scottish, usually Scottish, his uh, accent comes his, through. Yeah. Ooh, it's thick. Oh, it's fun hearing that we're going to, we're going to trap him out here on the road over here. I'm like, oh, look at this. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Just make him Scottish or whatever. It doesn't, doesn't have to matter. be an American. They're, they're uh, like, these are shyster, not shyster, but like they're tr- pretending to be other people the whole time anyway. So, yeah. So why? why I mean, they're mercs. Who cares? It doesn't matter. They're, not, they're mercs. Yeah, they're mercs. It makes who, no difference where they're who from. Who gives a shit? Uh, I think a big problem with the movie is surprisingly, first off, I'll say surprisingly, not the kid. In movies, I thought, in movies where there's like a, a big plot point hinges on a kid and a child that has to be directed, especially an R-rated movie, it's like, get this fucking kid out of here. In this one, I he didn't annoy me. I thought, and then he had, he was tasked with doing a lot of heavy lifting emotionally. He's a character who sees some horrible shit, and in a short amount of time, he's processing that. That's hard to convey. Uh, I thought the kid was fine, so I'll just I'll put that out there. Uh, one of the things that bothered me the most is the um, oh this oh this is weird too. It's a firefighter movie. These are, they're firefighters, right? Smoke jumpers. They're smoke jumpers, but they're, you know, so the whole thing is that they, they these people deal with fires. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a fire as a distraction is a big plot point, right? We never see firefighting ever. The smoke jumpers do rescue stuff when the fire is over at the end, right? I, I Is that how it's on? I don't know. I don't. I you, never, you ever see firefighters fight? Firefighting? You never see firefighters firefighting? And... Um, especially towards the end where, you know, like the fire is a big part of the movie and all that. The actors are never, ever, like you don't see fire. You see a lot of glow. And Not a lot of fire. You never see the fire. It's always yeah. as if the fire is just, just past that ridge of yeah. trees that he can't uh-huh. see. Yeah. Uh, right on the edge. And then when you finally do see it at right, the end. It's right behind all the orange lights. It's right behind those orange lights <laughs> that, that they borrowed from the 1917 set. And uh, and then once the fire finally does show up, it's all it's like CG looking. It's some, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all bad. It's fire. bad looking yeah. fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a bummer. Yeah. It's a real bummer because I like the way they're, they're trying to portray like the fire, the way it moves, mm-hmm. when the wind shifts and all that, and it jumps from tree to tree. And like, oh, this could be interesting, and then it's like hey, background. I really, I also uh, another part that I enjoyed was how many, how violent the pregnant black lady got. Best part of the movie, right? Goddamn. The survivalist, <laughs> the survival, the wife of the survivalist. Uh-huh. Why couldn't the movie just be about them? That would have been more fun. That would have been better. Yeah. I like their relationship better. Uh-huh. Uh, her being pregnant adds a big level of like, oh shit, they're tossing around this, yeah. this obviously pregnant yeah. lady. Um, when she did that Rorschach shit that on them, so awesome. that was awesome. <laughs> that was so awesome. That was cool. I was like, yes. Uh, here's the thing. Seen, I, uh, seen it in a the theater. Um, I was in one of the auditoriums where they cranked the sound up pretty loud. No. And, like, there's an explosion towards the beginning of the movie, right? Remember that one? Like, I knew something was about to happen, and then when that thing explodes, I was like, whoa! Because it was so loud. Uh, A benefit of seeing movies in theaters, it definitely makes it more intense and in-your-face, as opposed to if I'm at home, and I'm like, I got these shitty windows, the entire courtyard of people can hear me every Uh night, like, check out that machine gun fire, like, what's going on in that house over there? I watch an action movie. I'm an 80s baby, what can I do? I'm so sorry. Uh, I gotta get some good, some nice thick storm windows up there. Some God, money, Jersey Cogburn, monies. Uh, like I wanted it to be a cool '90s action inflected thriller, but it 
lean. I think it leans too much into one character being full of regret and trying to get over that. Another character just being sad because all the horrible shit happening. And instead of it just being a cool thriller, it, like it got bogged down in some weird, uh, like. And then they like they leave point A. Like we got to get to point C, but they get to point C. We got to go through B. They get to B. Like we can't pass B. Let's go back to A. All right, we're going to get to C this way. All right, and they get partially there. Okay, now I got to get back to A. They just kept going back to point A. Uh-huh. And then by the end of the movie, everyone just goes back to point A. Yep. And it's like, well, we didn't point actually... Point A became point B. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All we were doing is then running in circles, kind of. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't think it was very good. I don't know. This movie, it's like, the more you think about it... When I walked out of the theater, I was like, eh... I'll say this. I think, and I told this to my dad, too, when I told him, because he's just sitting around the house. He just needs something to watch. I'm like, oh, there's an Angelina Jolie movie. Watch it. You might like it. Uh, I also told my dad this, too. I was like, I think it's okay, but I did just watch a terrible movie the night before, so that may be coloring me a little bit. Uh-huh. Like, oh, look, this is a competent film. No. <laughs> As opposed to the As whatever the fuck the, I just the, watched. The piece of shit that I'll talk to you guys about in a second. Uh, but yeah, this one, it's not that. Yeah. And... I like Jolie. Uh, I like her in movies. She has it, you know. Um, She is going to be doing a little more acting now, frankly, just because she needs the money um, from all her divorce shit and everything. And then plus, uh, as a director, people aren't willing to give her as much money as she's looking for. So I'm fine with seeing her acting and stuff, and especially in, like, genre stuff. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing her in The Internals. Yes, that's going to be... That's that's probably a huge payday for her, too, for them to land her. Her and Salma Hayek, that's got a crazy cast. Um, Yeah, that'll be cool. Uh, You really use that star power for for some big popcorn fun, which she's doing less and less and less these days. And in this movie, she's definitely way less wanted, bullet-curving assassin, and more, uh, like, girl interrupted, I'm sad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. Anyway, what are you going to do? So, those who wish me dead, I, I mean... I don't think it's bad because, like I said, the movie I'm about to talk about is fucking bad. But yeah, I don't, I don't I mean, you can think, totally I, skip it. I, I don't think it was good. Yeah, it's skippable. I think it's unfortunately skippable. Mm-hmm. And it's a Taylor Sheridan movie. Just rewatch Wind River. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's a bummer. Wind River. <laughs> Wind River. They didn't. Did they ever say it out loud in the movie? I don't know. Jeremy Renner. He never said it. No. He's just like, I'm looking for a girl. <laughs> looking for a killer. Okay, so those who wish me dead. Sorry, guys. Not that great. Um, I did not go see Spiral, The Book of Saw, because pra- frankly, I stopped caring about the Saw movies after the first ago. one. No. You know, and I even care about the sequels. And then the reviews for it aren't good. All oh, the reviews for it are like, despite it being produced by Chris Rock, and he's in it, and you know the updates and everything, it's still just like a, a whack Saw sequel. And, mm-hmm. that, and that kind of bumps me out. So maybe when it hits a... Uh, Hulu or whatever. The streamings. I'll give it a watch or I can fast forward all that gross stuff. (laughs) Chris Rock talks about uh, it's his first time working with Samuel Jackson and for the first couple of days on set being a little too nervous to like uh, joke about him (laughs) or make jokes or whatever because he's like this motherfucking Samuel. Even Chris Rock was like this motherfucking Samuel Jackson man he's in my movie I'm scared. Uh, so I saw this movie through Netflix, The Woman in the Window. Mm -hmm. It's Amy Amy Adams. Adams. Yes. Amy Adams, Gary Oldman uh, chewing that scenery. Takes that scenery put some salt on it. He's eating it up. Um, Julianne Moore and Jennifer Jason Lee, both in pretty small parts, and uh, Brian Tyree Henry pops up as a detective. Yes. Yeah, so that was nice. Like, oh, sweet. They got some BTH in here. Um, oh, man, this movie sucks. No. Wow, it sucks so <laughs> bad. It sucks so bad. It's incredible. 
And I was curious about it because, like, they started showing trailers for it two, two years ago. Yeah. And then they gave it, like, a bunch of test audience screenings. And um, audiences hated it. So they reshot the ending, the whole final act, which I would love to see what the original final act was because this one sucks. It's so bad. Mm. And also the whole thing's based on a book. So how much could they have changed it? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. A popular book too, a beach read, right? So it's a rear window knockoff. A woman is an agoraphobe. She has her own issues. She lives in a brownstone in New York City where she gets very easily seen to the house across the street. New family moves in. She sees what she thinks is a murder and uh, she calls the police and then becomes this whole thing about mistaken identity. Did she see what she didn't see? Um, is she the crazy person? Huge runner about her um, on meds for... I guess they're just like uh, mood stabilizers, antidepressants, whatever. Just trying new medication and drinking heavily on all of them. Yeah. So then the whole thing is like, well, is she really seeing what she's seen? Or are these, it's like that movie side effects. It's like, mm-hmm. is, you know, is she being yeah. all fucked up from this shit? And um, it's Joe Wright who directed his first like four movies were all nominated for best picture at the Academy Awards. But they were all like Pride and Prejudice, Atonement, like these big English grandiose, they all start Q at nightly, yeah. and, you know, very important movies. Um, and then when he even tries doing genre, he he's the guy who did Hannah. Remember Hannah? Okay, yeah. Right? So even yeah, even his weird. action movie is like a weird, arty version of an action movie. Introduced the world to Sir Saronin, as a matter of fact. And... Um, so it's like they got him. They got this prestige guy to do this uh, campy, like beach read thriller, and it does not work. Like he, at times, it's it's too. The movie looks gorgeous for sure. Oh, you know yeah. who else is in it? Um, Wyatt Russell is in it. What? Also. Yeah, yeah, which is awesome to see Wyatt Russell. Um, bearded or non-bearded? Bearded. Okay. Bearded Russell. Yeah, bearded, and he looks awesome. The movie looks great. It has sequences. They're like, man, this is gorgeous to look at. Um, oh, you know who else pops up for one scene of her interesting cameo? Anthony Mackie. What? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. They yes, must yes. have been, this must have been during the uh, Falcon Winter Soldier days. This was, uh, they, were, they were probably hanging out together. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, three years ago, so maybe. <laughs> um, I can see this movie being like attracting all this attention and getting so many people to sign on. I can see why I got everyone to sign on, but then when you see the final product, it's like, whoa, this is <laughs> not good. And then it make and then it does a third act to us that's so dumb. It's like, what the fuck? Why is this movie doing this? Um, I had fun watching it in in a way that's like, what are these choices? Mm-hmm. This is fucking. These are bad choices. This, this movie is. These are continuing bad choices. They, they keep doing this the whole time. <laughs> Everyone from why the movies take a year and a half at least to make the whole time. They were like, yes, let's keep doing what we're doing. Oh boy, they must have known they were making a piece of shit the whole time because it, it was bad, bad. Um, ah, oh, poor Gary Oldman. <laughs> poor Gary Oldman. So he got paid. He did get paid. So unpoor, not opposite of poor yeah. Gary Oldman. Rich Gary Oldman. Rich Gary Oldman. Uh. So if you're looking for some like sort of campy uh, and campy in that they don't intend it to be campy, but then things happen, like, yeah. you have to laugh. Like it's so stupid. So uh, in that sense, if you're looking for like a campy, fun, bad movie to watch, I mean, the woman in the window could actually fill that for you. Okay, it, yeah. it, it's almost that kind of bad. Yeah. Um, the other movie that I saw on Netflix, the other new movie I saw, is it's closer to. Those who wish me dead, in that it's like, yeah, I'm kind of ambivalent towards it. it. Has things I like about it, but overall, this actually feels even more pointless than those who wish me okay. dead. Um, movie called Oxygen. Okay, just came out on Netflix. Uh. The reason I watched it is because it's Alexander Aja. Aha, 
A-J-A's, his last name. However you pronounce French guy. That. Well, however you pronounce this Frenchman's name. Um, the movies I've seen of his, I mean, I like what he does. He makes crazy movies. The High Tension, the Hills Have Eyes remake, um, Piranha 3D, uh, Crawl. I enjoyed Crawl. I thought that was a lot of fun. Did you ever see that one? No. It's a fun one. Uh, so this one is Melanie Laurent. Uh, who we all know from uh, Glorious Bastards, uh-huh. right? And uh, so it is a French film. You can watch it in its original French, which I did with subtitles. And she's a woman who wakes up in a cryogenic like uh, chamber, right? Uh, like she's supposed to be sleeping, but she wakes up early or whatever. And it's a tight little container. And the whole movie is in this container. So it's like buried. Yeah. And she wakes up. Speaking of Ryan Reynolds. Exactly. Speaking of Ryan Reynolds. And she wakes up with uh, amnesia. So she's in this container. She doesn't know why, but the one thing she does find out right away is that her oxygen is depleting quickly. Mm. So she has to figure out where she is, why she's in there, and how she can uh, free herself and live and whatever, right? So then the whole movie is her uh, communicating with people on the outside, uh, eventually finding out where she is, eventually finding out why she's in the chamber. And uh, it's stylish you know it's pretty cool it is Uh uh-huh he also does things where like for the first 20 minutes or so i was like this is an interesting choice from this guy who normally does horror Mm -hmm. right who normally makes movies that make you squirm and this is it's more of a claustrophobic type thing i guess that he's going for and then because it is like a medic sort of chamber that's maintaining her uh, her bio whatever her readings uh then a thing where the thing is like do you want uh, sedation. Do you need to be sedated? And then a flap opens up, and this, sh- this arm shoots out with a needle that's sh- sh- zipping around. I'm like, oh shit! <laughs> this now, then now I'm tense. Now there's a needle in the, the thing, <coughs> and the way it moves is very like weird and and um just mechanical. And she's like grabbing and trying to fight and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has moments like that where I'm like, oh. And then when they do explain like this is what's actually happening, like the big reveal of where she is, yeah. it's pretty satisfying. Um, especially visually when it happens. Oh, this is satisfying. And then, but then it gets to the end of the movie <laughs> or the character starts to make choices and if she lives or dies, what's she going to do? And it ends up being the most pointless shit to the point where I feel like I should spoil it for people so they know what they're getting into. So they like, sh- like, don't watch the movie. Yeah, like, <laughs> like this is public service type shit. So I'm going to do it. Okay. I'm making a decision now. Okay. If you don't want to know how oxygen ends, people, uh, jump forward exactly one minute. Uh, Drew, you're not going to watch it, so I'm no. just going to go ahead and let you know. Yeah. Okay, here comes the spoiler. Three, two, one. So, um, she's a clone. Okay. And she's being sent to another, like, star system uh-huh. uh, 14 light years away. Yeah. It's a 30-year trip for her with their technology uh-huh. to populate a new place. So, she finds a part way that she's a clone, why she's being cloned, et cetera, et cetera. So, she thinks she's a real person, but she's not. Um so the whole movie, she's like, she gets out of hypersleep. She's like, I got to get out of here. I got to I, I gotta live. I got to live. I'm running out of oxygen. And then by the end, like, oh, look, you can live. We can break this work. We just have to put you back into hypersleep and finish the mission. And she's like, okay, fine. And she puts all the shit back into her and they sedate her. And she goes back into hypersleep with like point zero point oxygen left. And then the movie ends with her at the destination. Like it, the, the mission it was completed. It was fine. So it was fucking pointless. pointless. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah. hundred percent pointless. So there you go. Yeah. That's pointless movie. Pointless movie. That's the minute. Spoilers over. Spoilers over. Cool. <laughs> fucking when it ended, I was like, that, I'm sorry. When it ended, I was like, <laughs> that kind of makes me mad. Yeah. Uh huh. A little yeah. mad. An hour, 40 minutes of my life gone right there because yeah. this movie had no point to it. Uh huh. Anyway, so uh, those are the new movies that I saw. 
this weekend, but there's also some media diet stuff I need to get into. I caught up on Gangs of London. Oh. Uh, the, like That's like five or six episodes in, and man, that is one of the most violent shows I have seen in a while. Ooh. Like, holy shit. Uh, it's a type of show, it's very cinematic, show slash movie, where uh, it makes me think of the beginning of Munich, where uh, in Munich, one of the Within the first couple minutes, some people get gunned down with machine gun fire, and Spielberg shoots it in a way that it feels so visceral, and like you feel the impact of the bullets just ripping through a body and, oh. and causing damage. This movie is like that times ten. When people get hit with machine guns, it's fucking it's you feel it. It's disastrous what happens to bodies. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what happens in real life. I, I would think so. Maybe maybe it's a little exaggerated because it's so intense. The violence is over the top, um, but. Fortunately for me, on top of that, I'm also enjoying the story and the mystery of who ordered the initial hit in the very episode, very beginning of the show, and the machinations of all the different gangs working against each other, some working together, and things like that. I'm I'm super into it. Uh, next episode comes out tonight. I'm looking forward to watching it. I recommend for sure people check out Gangs of London. Very, very good. And then the other show that I started watching, I just watched the first episode, and they dumped the whole thing, all 10 episodes, right away on Amazon, mm. Underground Railroad. Mm. Barry, yeah. Barry Jenkins' mm-hmm. adaptation of the Colson Whitehead novel. I read that book last year before I even knew that it was going to be a show. Mm. Um, and it's an amazing book. People are surprised with her. Um, and the first episode is it's great. Like I'm gonna watch this whole thing, yeah. and they're all almost every episode is like an hour, and there's ten of them. Barry Jenkins did the whole so thing. It's a ten hour movie. He did a ten hour goddamn movie. Oh. And uh, oh boy, it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be a hard ten hours. Yeah, uh, sure. at, at times for sure. Um, and another thing where I'm surprised Jenkins goes there, but I guess he have to for the source material. Yeah. So for the movies he's made, Moonlight, uh, if Beale Street could talk, very beautiful, poetic type movies. Um, almost like uh, Terrence Malick in a way, but with more um, like plot cohesiveness. And so I'm surprised that when this movie, ha- this show happens, and they show some of the violence stuff that happens to people, and you, you see the, the effects of the violence, and it's like, whoa, this is some Passion of the Christ shit. Yeah. Like, fuck. Yeah. And it's the first episode. Uh-huh. And I read the book, and I know what happens later. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, fuck, fuck. It's going to be intense. Um, but it's also gorgeous. And, you know, all the acting so far is great. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really liking it, uh, at least on the first episode. Yeah. So, Underground Railroad, Amazon Prime. I'm watching that shit. And uh, other than, like, watching some Price is Right Barker era stuff on Pluto TV, I think yeah. that's that's all I watch this week, really. I mean, that's a lot of stuff. All I watch. I watch plenty of shit. I watch plenty of shit for you people this week. Assholes. Assholes. I love you. Um, Drew, what you watch this week? Uh, I watched uh, uh, on Netflix Sons of Sam. It's uh, this kind of side theory uh, that uh, there's actually pretty decent evidence for. Yeah. Uh, that the son of Sam Killer, Michael Berkowitz, yeah. uh, did not act alone uh, and in fact was the scapegoat for a larger actually group of satanic cult members that no were out shit. there killing people at the time. No shit. No. For real satanic panic. Right, yeah. Wow. For real. Wow. Yeah. This is a, a documentary? Is a yeah, series? Do- documentary, ser- documentary series. Docu-series. Yeah. yeah. On, uh, on Netflix. On Netflix. Um, wow. Yeah. That's intense. Uh-huh. That's intense. Yeah, that's pretty crazy shit. Yeah. No. Well produced. Is it? I mean, like, yeah, it's, does it's, it look good, or were you just really into the information? No, it's it's on par with these 
with the, all these pretty series. good Netflix true crime series that they've been making. They've been really cranking all this crap out. Yeah, yeah. Know? A lot yeah. of them, you know, some of them I passed by. Some, but this one I was like, wait, Sons of Sam? Mm-hmm, you mean mm-hmm. I'm like multiple? This is. Let's see what the fuck this is about. And then the 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 case they put forth yeah. is uh, yeah, it's, it's strong it's enough, decent enough. It's decent enough to make a Netflix documentary. About. <laughs> okay, <laughs> man, I, lo- I love some good satanic panic. Yeah. I mean that that was some real seventies, eighties shit that we weren't getting much of lately yeah. until g- g- good old little Nas X came around with his, uh, uh-huh. his with, music with video, his blood shoes, yeah. his blood shoes, and, yeah. And then we got some good. You can't do this to the word of God. It's like, ah, oh, yes, give it to me. <laughs> give, give me the sacrilege. Make them mad. It's sacrilegious. Oh, so delicious and sacrilegious. Mm-hmm. I know I shouldn't eat thee, Lord. <laughs> um, Sons of Sam. How many episodes? I think it was like four. Right. Maybe so it's a doable something then. like that. Yeah, 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 people. So if you're into that kind of stuff, uh, it's almost like alternate theory true crime. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, also on Netflix, mm-hmm. uh, Castlevania season four. Did you watch the whole thing? Whole thing. So that's it for you, buddy. Castlevania's Dunzo Bunzo. Yep. That was the last season. Uh, I'm okay with that. And what'd you think? It was all right. I mean, it's super bloody. Yeah. Uh, super violent, yeah. oh, monsters dying in any way you can think of. That, uh, with it being the fourth season, has it been a continuing story over all four seasons? For the most part. Yeah. I mean... Not like an anthology, each season's its own different s- story mean, inside the world. I of- mean, it is and it isn't. It's kind of four separate stories that all lead to this over overall arc. Okay, so they, they just connect everything at the end, sort of. Well, I mean, throughout the whole thing, it's kind of been connected. Satisfying? Not satisfying? Yeah. I remember when the fir- show first came out, people were like, holy I shit, mean, the, this is great. The first one, the, the, obviously the first season was really, really good. After that, it kind of went, mm. I'm just glad that it was made. Okay, fair. You, so, you appreciate it probably more than you actually like the whole thing. Well, the, I mean, the first... Especially beyond the first season, yeah, it sounds well, like. I mean, this uh, the... The last season, I mean, they definitely got a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. But they made some interesting animation choices. So, oh, okay. I mean, it is what it is. Like a mixing of uh, styles. Well, yeah. And... Well, I mean, there's kind of this style that I've seen where during the action stuff, mm-hmm. like things get a little sloppy and weird. Okay. And and they took that approach with some of this stuff. So okay. Okay. it was, I don't know, it was S- what it was. Sort of a more, I guess, um, impressionistic take on the, on action, yeah. sort of. Uh-huh. That's the thing with animation. You really have to like... You gotta make those as an artist make those choices. Like, oh, I want this to be looking like a little sloppy or like it's a little blurry or Mm -hmm. something, or I want this to look super clean, or you have to consider the perspective and what would a different lens look like. You have to like draw the lens essentially. Yeah. Right? Uh Uh-huh. Animation's hard as hell. Uh so it sounds like yeah, good, not great. It is what it is. I mean Maybe watch the first season, leave the rest. I mean, if you if you like the first season, you'll end up re, you'll, you'll end up watching the whole thing. Not that it it doesn't get much better than the first season. All right, well, okay, fair enough. Good so, to know. Heads up. Uh, okay, so Castlevania season four, bueno. Yeah. Anything else? And then volume two of Love, Death, and Robots. There we go. I was wondering if you're gonna see that. I figured you would. Fuck yeah. I figured you would. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. How about uh? I mean, compared to the first season, you know. Uh, 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 there. So it's about half as many episodes. Okay. So the first one was like 18, I think. Mm-hmm. The second one was only like 10. Okay. Or or is it 8? But anyway. Uh, and are they similarly length? Like, didn't the first, quote, yeah. season, like it came out, it's like if you watch them all, it was like an hour and a half movie, essentially, like well, anthology I mean, movie. Th- this one, uh, I think between like 11 and 15 minutes each. Oh, it's pretty long. So, Those are all pretty long for yeah. being, quote, shorts. But they go, they go pretty quick. Like, you don't 
once it starts, you're in. Yeah. So that's a benefit of doing a short. Like you, yeah. you got to get into the plot right away because mm-hmm. you're you're running out of time. Yeah. Um, any standouts where things you're like, holy shit! Oh, like, I mean, like uh, some are way better than the rest. Well, or I, I, I there's uh, definitely some people who came back to do yeah. did work uh, on the first one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and they came back for the second one because mm-hmm. you can just tell from the animation style. You're like, sure. Oh, it's that one again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I just I think this one was a little more of a serious tone. Okay. Uh I mean, there were some lighthearted ones, but not as many. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, it was good stuff. It's uh, very, uh, mm-hmm. very, very Black Mirror esque. Sure. Yeah, that's definitely the vibe they give yeah. off. Any of the stories were kind of like meh or stinkers, or no, were they all, all like they were all pretty good? They're all bueno. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed them all oh, for the most cool. part. That's very cool. Very cool. So I, that gets more of a thumbs up than the oh, Castlevania, yeah. then. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Very cool. Uh, all right, and, and then on it. Disney Plus, yes. they've got a series called uh, Marvel Assembled, and mm-hmm. it, it's the making of their series. So they have two; they have two of them on right now: one for Wandavision and one for Falcon and Winter Soldier. So it's like their version of the Star Wars gallery, whatever they did yeah, for Mandalorian. So, yeah, so it's uh, an hour long for each series. That's a smart move on their part to get all that behind the scenes mm-hmm. stuff. People used to do it anyway. It's for, fun to watch for like electronic press kits and then DVD extras and yeah. stuff. Now they can just put them on their streaming services as extra content for people yeah. to watch. It's smart. Uh, did you learn anything cool? Or you're like, oh shit, I didn't realize that. Or was uh, it just like, I didn't all, necessarily like, learn anything. I mean, you know, some of the connections, uh, some of where they got their ideas from, mm-hmm. uh, you get more of that. Yeah. Um, the creative process of yeah, making it. Exactly. That's cool. And the technical side of it too. So. Oh yeah, sure. A lot, lot of uh, visual effects going on in both of those shows, oh, yeah. especially Wandavision. That oh, that yeah. had more special effect shots than um, Avengers Endgame. They said, uh, yeah. And uh, you'd be surprised about how many VFX shots there were in Falcon and Winter Soldier for some of the stupidest things. <laughs> They're like this city, uh, well, this street oh, had to be extended. His, or... <laughs> his, ca- his ca- uh, uh, the new Captain America. Yeah, his cowl. Yeah, the way it sits. Because it's a physical thing and it moves, the stuff that's close to the face does what it's supposed to. Yeah. And it like it flops out and you get these weird gaps in it and whatnot. Sure. But in comic books, everything is like tight. Skin, skin tight. tight and it doesn't move. Yeah. So they had to digitally take out those weird pockets so it would look more that's like a comic book. So That's so funny. There's a lot more CG work than you ever even imagined. That's so going funny on. because otherwise they have to like glue it to his head or something to to keep it down or tight or whatever. Oh my god. So it's all CG now. Yeah. I should watch that stuff. I like I like all that making it's really good. stuff. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, that's really cool. They did a cool one. The Corridor crew did a good V VFX artist, VFX artist react. They did one for um, uh, Kong, uh, Godzilla vs Kong that just came out, uh, and the breakdown of all that shit and all the the motion simulation they had gone. They broke down the uh, mostly the uh, the fight on the aircraft carriers. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. Yeah, all that effect stuff yeah. is so fascinating. Even the uh, even when it's CG, like it's still the work that he got to do. All the layers and the this and the that and the blah the blah the blah. Oh my god, it seems like so much work. Yeah, well, no, exactly. And, and like at the end of the day, you're like, okay, so the only actual real thing on this entire <laughs> screen is the road and that part of his face. That All par- right, yeah, part of his face, <laughs> part of his face. That's crazy. Yeah, we had to CG the rest of his face. What? <laughs> he has a face. No, we had to CG it. It wasn't perfect. 
Uh, okay, so those get some, those get thumbs up. Yeah, yeah, for being entertaining, interesting. Anything else? No. All right. That was everything. There we go. That's a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff this week, guys. In our media diets, we're feeling good. We're feeling healthy. We're feeling full of culture. Uh, we're gonna take a break. We have a Billy D's death at the movies where he's backward. Let me see. I can look this up real quick here. The movie that he is reviewing this week is a film called The Reckoning. Oh, this is that Neil Marshall movie that is now on Shutter. Uh, and it's starring the girl that um, brought down, or she was like, we talked about this last year, or maybe a year and a half ago, the head of Warner Brothers at the time, this guy, Kevin Sihara, he like got into an affair with us. Brett Ratner was like, oh yeah, I can hook you up with the Warner Brothers guy, and he was just suspecting sex, and she was like, oh yeah, I'll fuck you, but you gotta give me some something, so he tried to get her, oh man, it was bad. No. Bad, bad, bad. Uh, anyway, he's gonna review that movie. Cool. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back in the second half with a, we have one comment in the Facebook group. Okay. And then a shit ton of stories, news stories uh, to talk about. So let's hear from Bill and we'll be right back. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. Billy D's Death at the Movies. What's up, my dudes? What a friggin' week. Knee deep in two post schedules, and I hopped down to Philly yesterday to shoot a wedding for Chef Brian. Because I love Chef Brian and I'm a workaholic. Pro tip. If anyone you know who works in restaurants is getting married, make it a fucking goal to go to that wedding. Speaking of being a workaholic, I also watched Neil Marshall's new plague drama, The Reckoning. Me and Neil Marshall go way back. I remember renting dog soldiers at Blockbuster in college and getting hyped for The Descent, and then hyped again for the release of The Descent with the UK ending, and loving Doomsday, and being entertained by Centurion. Then Marshall pivoted to TV for the last few years, making standout episodes of Hannibal, Game of Thrones. Whenever his name popped up in the credits for these shows, I'd get a little excited knowing that at least the action was going to be pretty awesome. But I did not love Hellboy. The Reckoning, however, is closer to a return to form for Marshall, but something felt a little off to me about it. I think there was just an aesthetic at play here that jarred me out of my immersion. Like the film looks so good that you can see every fiber of the dresses and costumes, which look brilliant, but not necessarily lived in. And I watched The Reckoning twice. I enjoyed it more the second time once I ignored how fresh and crisp the costumes were, because there's a pretty great story and some good performances. Charlotte Kirk is also very beautiful, so there's that. But some stuff fell short for me. So a plague is ravaging England. Real bring out your dead type shit. And the local lord is up to no good local lord type stuff. And when a local farmer contracts the plague, he commits suicide, leaving his wife, played by Kirk, and newborn to fend for themselves. When the lord attempts to sleaze his way into relieving her financial burden, she spurns his advances. And uh, what do you know? That sounds like something a witch would do. We've got a witch here, boys. Get the witch finder. Sean Pertwee plays the brutal witchfinder, a man who burned Charlotte Kirk's mother and made her watch. So yeah, this movie gets rough during the witch trial phase, but it sort of waves away the injuries from the witch investigation, aka torture, when it's convenient for the plot, which bugged me. Are there better movies than this in the plague slash witchcraft slash period revenge subgenre? Yeah, I've reviewed a bunch of them. Hagazuza, The Nightingale, The Wind, a couple others. But those are also bleak and oppressive, where this is very pretty and entertaining. So if you're into movies about tough women in rough spun garments just serving it up to self-righteous chodes in armor, you'll dig the reckoning. Now I've got to get to work for the next 36 hours straight. Stay cool, Billy D.
Hey guys, thank you Billy D for, uh, oh my god, this guy says he's gonna work 36 hours in a row, what's his, what's his problem, Bill? I mean, if that's what he wants to do. You work in, you work in Northeast, dude, they're union crazy up there, man, I hope you're getting fat paid for that 36 hours. Uh, thank you for the review of The Reckoning, now on Shudder, Neil Marshall, drag it out. Uh, Drew Sagagburn, where can people find you online now? I'm actually curious. Uh, Genuinely curious. So if one, if anyone wanted to contact you, what, outside of going through cinemacrespedisso at gmail.com, which they could always do. They I could mean, write that, That's pretty much the way. Yeah. That's, no, that, that's that's pretty much the way. Like Mando said, this is the way. Yeah. If you want to contact Drew, you now have to go email officially Chris. through cinemacrespedisso <laughs> at gmail.com. And uh-huh. I will forward him the email. Well, not yeah. forward him. I'll... I guess I'll print it out for you. No, you, you, you have Actually, my email, I have email address. That's you true. can forward it to me. You do check your... Yeah, and we're not putting that out there. Yeah, no. no. I already get enough garbage email that I have to delete. It's all garbage email. What I the mean, hell? For the most part. It's all garbage emails. It's like real mail, but now it's email style. Yeah, well, I mean, some of that stuff's important, like some of that is HOA reminders. Real, it's something important. You know, power goddamn, bill. Like, Air bill. I understand that. But even then, I'm like, I don't want to get these emails from, <laughs> reminding me of my terrible life uh, obligations. Um... So that's it for for Drew. I mean, there's the at Antihero four one nine on Twitter. Is, is there uh, is active? Is it? <laughs> yes, it is. If you say so, it is. But uh, that's not true. No, no. no. Par- parody account, parody oh. account, parody account. I am on Twitter at I am Chris Crespo. I am a parody of myself. Uh, Crespo on Twitter, Cinema Crespo Instagram, Cinema Crespo on TikTok. That's where the jam is at. As a matter of fact, Drusa Cogburn, I, I'm just now getting a bug up my butt. Maybe it's a dab I just did five minutes ago, but let's do a TikTok right now. I pulled up the app. I hit plus. Uh, what is up, Drusa Cogburn? He is confused. What Representing is go- Death Row Records. What is going on right we now? We are in the middle of recording this I, show. Hold on a second. Okay, I'm going to stop it. No, stop, stop, stop. Now I'm going to hit flip camera. And now it's going on me. And I'm Chris Cross for holy shit. We're doing this is actually in the show. What are we doing? This is bad podcasting. Awful. All right. Because so we- people can't see us do it live, so it doesn't make any sense. And, and, and now they're hearing the sh- your shitty voice coming out of your shitty speakers yeah. through the microphone yeah, in yeah, your yeah. ears. It's like <laughs> nowhere near as cool as Bane voice. Uh, so if you want to see that stupid video we just did live on the show, Cinema Crespity So on TikTok. And uh, that's that's it. That was that was that's how it happens, Drew. I mean, if you say so. That's how it happens. That's how I don't. That's how the world works now. Don't you understand it? You have to think. I'm it not, used to be able. Chris, to think, I'm not even forty, and I'm already the crotchety old man. You are the crotchety old man. I'm trying to bring you back <laughs> in. You used to have to think multi-dimensionally. Now you have to think multi-platformally. Uh, some you know. those motherfuckers playing checkers but then these other motherfuckers playing chess i'm playing a monopoly on a uh twister board twister i, 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 mat. Was, I was thinking more like old maid maybe go fish go fit oh, that shit you know why those <laughs> games are fun because they're easy you just you sit down and you just get lost yep. in them war when was the last time we played war it's been a long time so, i think the, I, the last time i Probably someone's house at a party, and it was a drinking game. And it was, yes, and somehow, yeah, getting right. fucked so, up was tied to yeah. it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Because uh, that was college. That, that F- finding a way to get fucked up with cards. Oh, so, so, so 20 years ago, is what you're saying. Uh-huh. Somewhere around there, yeah. Because we old. That's about right. We old, and we just made a video for a children's app, but it's fine, because, you know, like, I was on it earlier, and this lady had her titties out, and it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, how, did, how do we, what is this? This is a children's app. Titties, titties out. 
I don't know how it works. It's weird. So, uh, Facebook, you should get off it. Drew's off it, pretty much. I'm a lurker. I guess people like, call him the lurkers. He's a lurker. Yes, it's a lurker when right. you don't. Yes, but uh, uh, we do have the comment slash question thread that we post weekly, and people can or cannot use. It got used this week. So, uh, Drew Sakagwin, if you don't mind, can you please let us know what people have to say? Oh, Carmella gets at us. What up, Carmella? Oh, what region of America has your favorite barbecue? I grew up in North Carolina, so I'm partial to a vinegar-based sauce. I'm sure Drew has some strong opinions, so I'll hang up and listen. All right. Well, Drew, uh, can you break down what are the regional barbecues? No. Mustard is the Carolinas. No, vinegar is the Carolinas. Which one's mustard? Uh, I have no idea. Texas is the uh, is see, the. see, that's just see. I grew up in Florida, so there's. I I mean, is, I, is there Florida barbecue? Or? Not that I'm aware of. Not I don't right. even know like what. I mean, I, I mean, people would think because I cooked for 18 years, I might know something about barbecue. But I, you never cooked barbecue. That was it's not, not that I never cooked. No, barbe- I'm, I'm saying professionally. Like you, I you never worked at a, I never worked at like a barbecue joint. Correct. I've done barbecue dishes. That's different. But that's not the same. I mean, I've made barbecue sauce, but still, nah, it's not, it's not the same. Not, that's no. not the same. That's yeah. not working in the barbecue industry, son. Exactly. Not even Korean barbecue. No. no. Ooh, that's my favorite Korean barbecue. How I mean, I'm I'm partial. I'm I'm more partial to the uh, the sweeter style barbecue sauce. Okay. So the stuff with like molasses in it. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of that nature. I guess I like uh, the one that's like the drier one. That's like rub based. Yeah, dry rubs. Yeah, I oh. like because then that requires you to cook the meat in a way that it remains moist. Yes. So you can't just rely on a sauce later. Correct. Uh, that that's what I'm talking about. That's yeah. the good stuff right there. Like I'm a big fan of Sweet Baby Ray's. If you just want to talk about barbecue sauce, you can go to the grocery store. I'm a, I'm a fan of that Pat's homemade. It's made by hose. It's made by hose. It's H O dash made. It's not homemade. No, it's, it's homemade. Homemade. Pat's homemade, uh, and it's also sans uh, corn syrup. Yeah. So it's hard. You can check. Look at them barbecue sauce I mean, bottles at the at the store. I don't mind the corn. I like the consistency of the corn syrup in my, in, in my barbecue sauce. That's fine. I, I like a thick, goopy barbecue sauce. That's I don't like it thin. That's why I, I'll take the corn syrup in my ketchups yeah. because I like that. I want that traditional you'd, you'd commercial ketchup. You'd be surprised how many barbecue sauces are ketchup-based. Oh, sure, yeah, because it's tomato vinegar. You already have all that stuff in there just in the ketchup. So, well, yeah, what am I going to go get my own tomatoes and get my own vinegar? When they really- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, Chris. Uh-huh. You cracked the code. Um, <coughs> man, well, I'm sick. Of, I'm sick with my my answer of Korean barbecue. I mean, I like Korean barbecue. I like all barbecue. Yeah, it's all good. It's delicious. We're cooking meats and they're delicious. I mean, I mean, as long as the meat is slow cooked yeah. and probably smoked, chances are it's gonna be good. And especially if it's a quality meat, obviously, yeah. right? Uh, obviously, we are. Uh, I mean, we're we're all for. I guess are we for animals rights? Or are we just trying to eat? <laughs> I mean, I'm all for animal. I mean, I, I'm, I don't all, think, I'm all for responsible farming. Like, I don't think you should torture the animals. Yeah, or, I don't know why that's or what, like or like have sex with them or things of that nature. They have sex with the animals too. But like at the end of the day, yeah, I'll cut that bitch's throat and fucking eat him. I mean, oh, you'll do the cutting. <laughs> all right, thank God. Thank God I know someone that'll do the cutting because I'm yeah. I'm bad at if that. If it comes part. down to it, yeah, yeah. Can no. you can you also uh, butcher it, clean it, and then put it on, on a piece of styrofoam and wrap it in, in saran wrap and then give it to me? Because that's I mean, what I'm comfortable. At that point, I've become comfortable it, handling the it dead animal. Might not look so pretty, but yeah. Okay. All right. No, I'll meet you halfway. Yeah. Uh huh. 
I can do a messy butcher job. I'll meet you halfway in this post-apocalyptic world where I, I need, I still need people to uh, kill your animals for you. Oh, please, God damn it! I'm doomed. I'm so doomed. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's your that's your barbecue answer. Food's delicious. Now I'm hungry. Thanks, Carmelo. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And that's it. So let's get into all these stories. I got a whole bunch of stories. First off, this whole thing with the the remember the Golden Globes through Cogburn? Vaguely. Uh, well, they're going to be gone. Okay, cool. So I don't have to pay attention. I, I get to <laughs> we, pay attention even less e- to the Golden Globes. E- exactly. Of all the awards, they're the ones to pay attention to the least. It's the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, and they created this award so that they did this like 80, 70 years ago, something, maybe 60 years ago. I mean, it sounds like a marketing ploy gone awry. It, yes, it was, a, a, a des- it was designed to get access to foreign journalists based in Los Angeles, but they write for foreign publications, trying to get them access to writers and, and uh, uh, stars, directors, the studios, right? All the all the people you want to write about. Um, so they came up with this whole award <laughs> situation and it worked because, of course, people who are in entertainment are also not only vapid, but uh, a crave approval. Well, because yeah, they're vain. They're vain and they're vain slash um, needy because that it's it's seeking that uh, that applause. You know, it's a, it's that rush of everyone Somebody saying loves like, me. Exactly, Sally Field said the quiet part out loud when she got her award. You really love me. I'm like Sally, relax, <laughs> chill out, lady. And um, so the Golden Globes worked, and they got access for their membership of like. That's always hovered around. That never got higher than like eighty or ninety people. So less than hundred people. So when the Golden Globes give out awards, it's among these journalists. So it's less than hundred people that are deciding who who. So to give that any weight or credence, anyway, is already absurd. And uh, then they got in bed with NBC years ago to do a broadcast and turn into a show. So then they provide free alcohol, free food. They invite all the stars to get them all boozed up, and it's this big party. Then it becomes uh, an. Ratings hit for years for NBC, right? Uh, now, lately in the last couple of years, they've had scandal after scandal, and like the final straw that has broken this particular camel's back is the revelation that someone finally realized: Hey, the eighty-something years of this club's membership, they've never had a single black person. It's like how long this thing's been around for all the people that have been involved, for all these journalists, they've never had a non-white person as a member. That doesn't make. I mean, to the, the, the Hollywood foreign press. There are a lot of countries that are all black people. Oh, mommy, we're, yeah, we're are the, you uh, telling me there's not <laughs> one like journalist from like Zaire or Mozambique or the Ivory Coast yes. or something that you know? Yeah, not one, not one, not <clears throat> not, not part of our association. Not even a not even a black French guy. I, I, I was exactly <laughs> oh, black French for some reason. Not even a black French guy. Not a black Frenchman, not a black Englishman. No, no, English woman. No. Wow. So uh, at that point, everyone's just like, "All right, fuck these guys." So um, Tom Cruise, one, I think that maybe the big straw was this actually. Tom Cruise uh, mailed back his three Golden Globes to their Ooh. headquarters. It was like, "You guys can keep these Ooh. for your for your bullshittery." Um, Scarlett Johansson uh, says that she actually has been avoiding their press conferences for a few years, and has to do with um, let me see how does she put it here. It had to do with a uh, not harassment. Where is the quote? As an actor promoting a film, one is expected to participate in award season by attending press conferences in the past. That has meant facing sexist questions and remarks by certain 
HFPA members that bordered on sexual harassment. It is the exact reason why I, for many years, refused to participate in their conferences. Uh, so Scarlett Johansson apparently has been boycotting them for a while. Yeah. NBC pulled the plug. They have canceled next year's or the next Golden Globes broadcast. Um, the Hollywood Foreign Press is like, we are going to... Take notes. <laughs> We're going to take your notes. We're going to internalize, meditate, and we'll we'll be back. We'll be back with reforms. Yeah. They already announced some reforms. Everyone was like, this isn't enough. NBC canceled their shit. Uh, but NBC was also like, we're open to bringing them back the following year. Because, again, that award show money makes maker. so much money uh, by selling ads. It's like almost the third or fourth most watched event behind... Um, yearly behind the Super Bowl and then the Oscars and then I think the Grammys and then it would be like the Golden Globes and um, it's fucking it's fun seeing them go down because I've been saying for years that they're a bullshit organization mm-hmm. anyway they suck so it's it's cool to see them uh, take the shit and to be a dunzo bunzo cool. and now it is time Juice of Cogburn for everyone's favorite podcast segment Chris Reed's Entertainment Weekly, so we don't have to. Thank God, Drew Sackogburn. Uh, you look at all these pages. Oh, man. That's a lot of pages. I'll make this so much easier for you guys. Uh, it came in a couple days ago. The Pride issue, as you can see here. Mm. We got Bowen Yang on the cover. Bowen Yang uh, getting mad popular now from uh, SNL. Also, proof that I'm super old. I just said mad. That just came out of me. Oh yeah. my god. Back in the nineties. Someone oh, kill me. It's just formative years, Chris, to stick with you forever, unfortunately. That sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, oh, the nineties. I'm not getting Jenkos. I refuse to get Jenkos. Jenkos, uh hang on. Jenkos, wallet chains. Nah, I'm refusing to go back to wallet <laughs> chain. No wallet chains. Bull cuts. No, yeah, no bad haircuts. Bad, no, I'm not even cutting my hair anymore. No, 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 no. I'm, I, re- I reject all that stuff. Yeah. All right, I'm not grungy. All right, I'm about I'm, to say flannels. Mm-mm. I mean, I still love me a good flannel. I'll make a flannel in the winter. I live in the, the subtropics, man. Yeah. I this is this is summer 2021 fashion I got going on <laughs> right now. We're going summer chic. Um, so this is the pride issue. So I figured, you know, I better not just like point out things that are that are not pride related. That'd be embarrassing. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm okay. going for uh, you know full on. I'm going full on for it. Bo and Yang also. I mentioned this guy a couple years ago. Uh, I was listening to Las Cotristas, which is a fun podcast. Him and another guy. They live in New York City, and the whole podcast podcast about culture and what is culture and stuff. But they're very very funny. Uh, so then when he started when he got the SNL job and started blowing up, it wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't surprised. It's like, oh yeah, of course, this guy's very, he's fu- yeah. very funny. Um, never, I've never heard of this guy. This is this is actually very interesting. 1935, a bit of Hollywood history. Um, this guy's name is William Billy Haynes. That's where they put Billy in quotes, like we don't understand. Yeah. This guy's name is Billy Haynes, and he was a uh, one of America's first like big box office stars. Okay, and he was also openly gay. Okay, in uh, 1930. Okay, okay, so that's not exactly uh, you know. Not exactly uh, uh, welcomed in society, overall society. I mean, even now, people have uh, some people have issues with it. He um, had a living partner, Jimmy Shields, and in 1933 is when we've talked about this on the show before. The Hayes Code, yeah. the production code that uh, you know, this was before the MPAA, more government um, uh, 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 guidelines for for morality bullshit. 
And the guy who ran MGM and who had this guy's contract, Louis B. Mayer, mayor of the mayor, Goldwyn Mayer, right? He also was not a big fan of the whole homosexual thing at the time. Mm -hmm. So he gave this guy an ultimatum. He said because of the production code and whatnot, and just because of polite society. And because I hate gays. And because, you know, gays, it's not right, son, to be doing that. Um, He was like, you can either sign this contract and keep working for us, or... Uh, but you gotta you gotta drop this guy you can't we, and also it says here uh, a studio arranged marriage mm, but they were yeah. gonna they were gonna fix him yeah. up with a beard to be out in public and all that and he was like nope I refuse I choose the love of my life and he went off with this guy Shields and he became an interior decorator made probably been a bunch of money for the stars yes for all his <laughs> friends uh, Joan Crawford and uh, it says Carol Lombard uh, and it says even uh, he did interior design work for fucking Louis B. Mayer himself eventually so mm-hmm. uh he, he ended up, he landed on his feet, but he had to choose between, like, being... A, a movie star. A big movie star, which um, he, maybe he loved it and enjoyed it or whatever, but... Or the love of his life, being who he is. And he chose being who he is. And then all these years later, uh, I, part of the reason I mentioned him, Lil Nas X. Uh, there we go. Big you know. feature on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, found a couple, uh, some interesting quotes in here. That Old Town Road mm-hmm. hit song, remember mm-hmm. that? That country trap uh, thing. Thing. <laughs> Um, apparently, Drew, is the longest charting number one song in Hot 100 history. I, I, it's wild to think now with our so many options and shorter attention spans that something could be so popular for so long. Well, it's because it crossed two major pop genres, yes. rap and country. The biggest genres in the world right yeah. now, right? The two, those two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says here that he had to turn away producers who then just sent him more country trap beats. He says, quote, no, I want to do whatever the fuck I want. Stop trying to make me give you that next Old Town Road. Uh, and then obviously his next big thing was the song that he just put out, Montero, and then parentheses, Call Me By Your Name, which is pulled from the movie. Uh, he says here... Uh, here's the article. Besides getting the title from Luca Guadagnino's 2017 romance, the song is particularly noteworthy for its explicit references to gay sex. Quote, at first I was afraid of alienating my straight fans. But then it was like, if they feel offended, they were never really here for me. Which uh, I think it's very... It's a good thing to... You, you want to try to appeal to so many people, especially if you're in a commercial realm mm-hmm. to make as much money as possible. And like, am I going to put these people off just by being me? But then he got like, well, look, maybe I should just be me, right? I mean, that's on you. That's on you. Oh, shit. <laughs> With the philosophy. Um, so being a young black man is already hard enough in this music industry, not to mention a queer community synonymous with white men as a dominant image of queerness. That's something yeah. I've never considered, ever. Uh that the white male is when when people think of like the I guess the stereotypical yeah. gay guy the gay yeah. guy mm-hmm. the, yeah. I guess like the um, what's the word I'm looking for the, the if I was gonna be a gay guy I'd be like this guy and then you picture like gay Brad Pitt or something yeah so, you know uh-huh. I still why am I thinking of a straight guy um, or what's his name Henry Cavill <laughs> um, but yeah it's weird that it's like um, I never even considered that and it's like more privilege that people don't consider and uh, I don't even know where, I don't even know where to go with that I just found that fascinating and then final uh, quote here looking back on history the biggest icons the biggest artists are the ones who aren't always trying to make everybody happy and who are doing themselves I hope to do that at all times uh, so we'll see we'll see how it turns out for him 
I like, I like Satan worshiping gay black man. I love that shit. I love that he got people <laughs> gay panicking over those the six hundred and sixty six pairs of shoes that had like a Bible for a son. I'm like, how dare you have so a Bible? Awesome. But then those people get mad at like, what? Why you're not allowed to draw a picture of Muhammad? You know, uh-huh. it's like oh, exactly. you fucking <laughs> you insane hypocrites. Uh, Lena Waithe, this lady, <laughs> Lena Waithe, she's blowing up now. The third season of Master of None uh, is uh, apparently. Uh, Focusing on her character. Yes, her her and her girlfriend. I found that, I read that in here, found that fascinating that Aziz, I'm sorry, pivoted that way. Because um, between seasons two and three, he had his own Me Too fallout with uh, just a, a bad encounter with a lady that mm-hmm. then she put on the internet. And oh boy, not good. None of it was good for anyone involved. And um, and he had to like, you know. T- step back? Do his yeah. own. I mean, I'm going to take a step back. Yeah. I'm going to take a step back. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it says here, here's her quote on that. As human beings, we're all going to stumble. It's crazy to think that we won't. Of course, this is a lady who's worked with him for a few years and, you know, knows him. Also, her career is sort of tied to him at the moment. So take all that for what you will, right? She says, um... Blah, 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 blah. Depending on what the stumble is, we can decide if it is someone who, after doing their work, we can give grace to. I absolutely felt like he was deserving. So, so that, that that is uh, an interesting pivot to keep the show yeah. going, keep everyone employed, which is cool too. Because yeah. I mean, shit, the grips on that show and the the makeup people, they none of them uh, have. It's not their fault. Yeah, it's not their fault. NC's like trying to give uh, this lady the claw, the throat claw, <laughs> or something, and she was like, "Ew, stop." Um, she's another one. What she says here, um, she is quote less concerned with how things are being received right now versus how they will be received ten years <laughs> from now because work should age. And not all work ages well. Yeah. That's very true. I mean, that's why you get the Blank Van Blank show. <laughs> <laughs> you know Blank Van You know Blank Van Blank is still alive? You really? Know yeah. Blank Van, Blank Van Blank is still alive. Check it in. Blank Van Blank check. You're still alive. All so. right. And, uh, Can't say his name, though. No, no, no. Not on TV, anyway. <laughs> not, not, past, not past 10 p.m. Uh, did I pull another thing here? Oh, yeah. Did, I did pull another thing. This guy. Coleman Domingo. You know that name? No. Nah, you know the face, though, this guy. Coleman Domingo. Oh, I've seen him, yeah. He pops up in a lot of stuff mm-hmm. lately, right? So this is me. Like, oh, shit, this guy's gay. I had no idea. Because I, the thing I'm thinking of most lately is uh, in if Bill Street could talk, and he plays the the, mo- the father of the, the daughter, and he's Regina King's husband and all that. Uh, but... Unbeknownst to me, Drew, going all the way back to 2008, he was on the Big Gay Sketch Show in the UK. Or no, on Logo. Logo TV. That's what it says there. And also, currently on Fear of the Walking Dead, his character is a, it's a gay character, explicitly. So I had no idea. That's, that's, I thought that was super cool. And he says here, um, the question is, as a member of the Afro-Latin community, has it been especially satisfying to lead conversations on LGBTQ representation? He says... Uh, it has. It's always nice for people to recognize that part of my identity as well, because a lot of times it's just gone by the wayside. You rarely see Afro-Latinos in the press. There's been a dim light on that, so I feel proud that I get to represent both. Uh, my step-grandfather was uh, black as hell Puerto Rican. Yeah. And um, so it was always just like normal to me. But like, yeah, sure. I mean, the Puerto, the Puerto Rican rainbow. It's it's from from. And then my mom is light skinned and blue eyed. So that that's the whole uh-huh. old the uh, color that, palette. That's the you gamut. See it at the the, the the row of paint swatches at at Home Depot. That's all of us. Uh, 
Oh, and then this one. I pulled this here. Final story. Margaret Cho, who uh, she is, according to this, what, 52 years old? Somehow looking better than ever at 52? Yeah. Like, what the hell? That That's... That's what the kids call glow up, I think. <laughs> if you say so, I mean, it could be just a fo- great Photoshop job. Could be Photoshopping, could be just good makeup, photography. That looks fantastic. Um, this. What's next for you? I'm going to do Jay Leno's CNBC show. Did you book this before or after he apologized for his jokes about Asians? Do you remember those? And uh, for people who don't know Jay Leno, uh, earlier this year with the whole Stop Asian Hate campaign. He was like, I made some, you know, uh, jokes in the past on my show that are Asian-related, and they were, now I see that they're in poor taste, and I apologize for any hurt that, you know, the no, yeah. like covering your ass type mm-hmm. shit. Just trying to get ahead of anything that may pop out on him. Yeah. Maybe someone close to him was like, did some searching, was like, Jay, like, Yo, Jay, bro, Jay. bro, 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 bro. If you get ahead <laughs> of, if you get ahead of this, you may catch a little bit of heat, but then people are gonna forget about it. But people are way more forgiving of, you know, yeah. if you're, if you just own up to it right away, than if you try to deflect. She responds, frankly, Asian jokes go over my head because I've heard so many of them. I do a noise-canceling thing with them. I booked Jay quite a while ago. For him to step up and take responsibility is very meaningful. I'm so pleased with his response. I accept apologies. Uh, you know, so it just goes hand-in-hand hand with Lena Waits being like, you know, for people who, quote, do the work and show that they want to, you know, work people who work in good faith mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, to deserve that chance and... You can't always uh, just throw a person out completely, right? I mean, you can if you want to. You can if you want to, but uh, I mean, I guess that's, that's, a, that's a personal choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean you, you do what you got to do. So well, that's it. That's uh, that's what I pulled from this week's Entertainment Weekly. Entertainment Weekly. Monthly. I read it. You guys. Yeah, I feel like we just did one. <laughs> <laughs> like, was the other one late or something and this maybe, one came may, in on time? Maybe they're going bi-monthly, Chris. Maybe they are. Maybe they're trying to get back to being Entertainment Weekly Weekly mm. as opposed to Entertainment Weekly Monthly. They ain't got the money for that shit. Um, all right, here we go. Back back to the news. Uh, we're going to run through these new movies. Um, Fast and Furious 9, you saw that trailer, right? Yeah. And they're featured in all the trailers and all the marketing is the uh, John Cena drives his car off a cliff and then a plane, Charlie's there and drives a jet. <laughs> That's that COVID sneeze. It is. Well, not not the COVID sneeze. That's the vaccine. It's the vaccine. Vac- it's the, it's the, a, them post vaccine sniffles, man. That's that. F- the Pfizer <clears throat> sneezes. He uh, uh, she flies the plane over the car, catches it with a magnet, and and takes it off. Right. Uh-huh. That is apparently that idea came from Justin Lin's nine year old son. Okay. He uh, yeah. brought his son with him on uh-huh. on the set because that was like the best way for him to hang out, spend more time together. So he wasn't always away from him. So he had his toys with him and all the time. And he said that apparently his son was like listening enough to enough of the their planning stuff where he came up with the idea of like just use a, like a plane and and, and, and catch a plane. Yeah. And, and he's like, oh my god, is that, we can, that works. So. Uh-huh. Uh, when you watch these movies and like, man, this just feels like kids playing in the sandbox, like coming up with shit. Literally, that's exactly what it is. It literally is, and I'm yeah. into that. Uh huh. Yeah, I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah, Fast and Furious, the nine year old. <laughs> yeah, the, nine- <laughs> yeah fa- the Fast and Furious nine year old. Uh, I'm, I love it. That's fine. Um, man, remember Night Watch when Night Watch first came out? Oh, Nocnoy Dozer. Nocnoy Dozer. Like the marketing was uh Dude, very that, epic the- and. The movie itself was It's a good movie. Good. It's a wild movie. I only saw the sequel that one time. I can't remember. Yeah, I, I don't remember the sequel being very good at all. Exactly, right? The yeah. sequel gives me the taste of like, yeah. Yeah. 
um, Knock Noidozer, and uh, had the cool subtitles. But like, man, American audiences are gonna watch this Russian movie. Yeah. They're, they're gonna be mad that they it's not are. dubbed. <laughs> and uh, and then the first trailer was like the first of a trilogy. No, and they made, they made two of them. And they made two of them, and then never made that third uh-huh. one. That was like two thousand. That was 12, 13 years ago. That was a long time ago. Long, long time ago. That's director Tamir Bekmambetov. Uh-huh. I think he did Wanted right after that, and then Abraham Lincoln Vampire. Uh-huh. I believe it was right after that. And lately, he's been the pioneer of the what he calls the screen life genre. Okay. And those are your movies where it's just like it all takes place oh, on the screen, screen, on a computer screen, yeah. people using apps and all that shit, right? And he has produced the the best one of those, which is that John Cho movie, Searching, yeah. which I recommend people actually, like, it works. It's they, they trick you, or they get you, you know how they get you, Drew? They give you an up-style opening of, like, here's, like, ten years of a family's life, and then at the end it devastates you with a death to cancer. No. And then you're like, no! And then it's a movie about a father and a daughter, and a father looking for that daughter. You're like, no, we can't have more bad things happen to this family. They just had this whole cancer thing. It's ex- It's an excellent movie. Um, I think the, and what's his name? Uh, Elijah Woods. He did one where he's like, uh, the lead of this fucking thing. And then there's those horror movie ones yeah. where unfriended, they made two of those. So it's like Tamir Bekmembetov wants to do a third Nightwatch movie. And he wants to do it screen lifestyle. Whatever, man. I do feel like, thing. I just like, just give me the movie, right? Uh, apparently there's five books. No, and man. the third one would be called Twilight Watch, which makes me think of, you know, the Twilight yeah, Vampires, yeah, yeah, but whatever, fuck it. And uh, I think it would be like a crazy yeah. idea. It'd be like, it's a movie about vampires and monsters and shit, but it's all with like people chatting with each other and shit. He just had a movie come out this weekend that bombed, like even for a pandemic level bombed. It oh, bombed wow. uh, called Profile about okay. a journalist, lady journalist, who pretends to be... Um, uh, Somebody else. Uh, she on wants. The she wants to be. Yeah, on the internet, she catfishes. She she essentially catfishes a um, a, a terrorist, okay. uh, like a jihadist, yeah. and uh, and then of course, obviously, he's like finds out who are, who are you really, and then it's all these like just tense conversations and shit. Totally. Uh, I don't know if people like it review wise or not, but I know no one went and saw it in theaters. There we go. Uh, anyway, he wants to do another. He wants to do Twilight Watch, but as a fucking screen lifetime. Good for you. I mean, dude. I mean, I would see it, but then I might still wait for it to, to see that home. I can't recall. I think I saw Searching in theaters. Um, the Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. Okay. That's the third one. Okay. Have you seen any of them? Nope. Don't care. First one is good in a... It's, it's not my type of horror. Well, here's the thing. These movies generally wouldn't be. I haven't seen the second one. The first one, though, is explicitly like boldly on its face being a movie like we are uh, cribbing, homaging, whatever you want to call it, The Exorcist. Right? And they did it pretty well. It feels like a movie that would have been mostly made in the 70s in a way that I appreciate the pacing of it, the style of it and all that. It does do it modern, not necessarily jump scare, but I mean, it's a James Wan movie, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, The second one I didn't see. This third one, The Devil Made Me Do It, is about... um, uh, a dude who kills his family or whatever. I don't know who he kills, but then it's a, he goes to court. They arrest him and try him, and in court, he's like, his defense is the devil made me... Um, you know, It's like one of the first instances. So so it's the Conjuring Law and Order? It's the Conjuring Law and Order-ish, right? <laughs> um, 
in this interview I read, they did downplay the law, the courtroom aspect of it, but they did emphasize that James Wan is a producer and whoever the director is, they really clicked on the idea of making uh, a David Fincher 7 version of a Conjuring movie. So, whereas The Exorcist was to Conjuring, this one, the third one, is like they're going for a 7 style type thing. And I'm just interested in seeing what they do there uh, style wise and how much of that comes through, mm-hmm. if it works, if it doesn't work, if it feels hokey or not. Uh, and it's a Warner movie. So, whenever it comes out here in a month or two, people have the chance to just watch it at home. Yeah. Probably I might go see it in the theater. I might just wait for the reviews. Let's see what the actual reviews are. You know, we'll see. But I found that fucking fascinating. That they're like we're we're, we're cribbing seven, and they're openly like saying that in interviews. No. Like this is what we're doing. And then meanwhile, David Fincher, his movies, he's just ripping off of uh, Alan J. Pacula films. So it's like a, a, a distillation of a distillation of a style added with added other stuff added to it. You mm. know. Um, it's fun how that kind of stuff works. Knives Out 2. And 3. Yeah, well, <laughs> this has to be 2. Okay, so I think Knives Out 2, it's like a whole new case. We're just following yeah. Benoit Blanc. Yeah. And uh, I hope he has a different accent in this movie. Oh, yeah. that'd be so fantastic. It'd be great if it, for some reason this one he's like French uh-huh. and then the third one yeah. is like Australian. German. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a German Dana Craig would be so funny. It's like, I see what's happening here. <laughs> um. The cast, I think they're all completely different stories because they're assembling a whole new cast around um, Daniel Craig, oh. and it is fucking... Stacked again? It is bananas bonkers so far. Uh, I, who was the first person they announced? Dave Bautista is the second person they announced after Daniel Craig. Um, Janelle Monet got announced after Dave Bautista, and Catherine Hahn just got announced the other day. And who was the, uh, the, the first, Daniel Craig? Uh, oh, Ed Norton. So Ed Norton, Dave Bautista, Janelle Monet, and now Catherine Hahn are all going to be in this fucking movie, which starts shooting, I think, in July. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, they're throwing a shit ton of money at it. Um, we'll be talking about the Knives Out 2 movies for a while, so just updating you on the cast. Uh, meanwhile, also at Warner Media, they've announced movies based on Adult Swim properties through Chicago. I heard about this. Yeah, so we so ha- silly. It is ridiculous, but years, years later, no one's asking for it, but we're getting them. We got a new Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie, which they've already done one of those. I know. And no one liked it. <laughs> not even, I'm a fan of Aqua Teen. Even I thought it was garbage. It, it like effectively killed my desire to see anything yeah. Aqua Teen. It's wild. Um, Wildly bad. So we'll see what they do with this new one, but they're doing an Aqua Teen movie. They're doing a Venture Brothers movie. Now that has the potential to be absolutely hilarious. It is Adult Swim's longest running series at 15 years. And... Uh, Brendan Brendan Smalls coming back to do a Metalocalypse movie. Uh, yes. Which yeah, sure. Yeah. That could be fun. I mean, I saw them quote unquote we saw live them. on tour. <laughs> we, we saw Metalocalypse. That was awesome at the it House was, of Blues. It was one of the better metal concerts I've ever been to. Yeah, they sounded great. <laughs> they sounded so good. Uh so that's coming. Um Surprising no one, A24 has been in bed with Apple TV for a minute. Okay. Uh, Apple, essentially, to provide them with content. Uh, so they have worked out the the final numbers of deal to give Apple the release rights to Joel Cohen's The Tragedy of Macbeth, starring uh, Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand. Okay. So hopefully now they haven't announced anything. I'm still hoping for a theatrical release for this movie. 
just like uh, Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. That's another Apple movie now. Oh, God damn it. Uh, so hopefully these things come out in theaters. Because I don't want to have to buy Apple just to watch these fucking movies. That's the thing. Like, hopefully they all come out close enough time that I can just do like a trial thing. Like, oh. come on. I, I'm trying to cut back on these services now. This is too much. Me And I just read an article about how they're like, no, we got to cut down on uh, password sharing. The era of password sharing is over. They're going to find ways to, to strip all that shit down. Oh, man. Assholes. Bad, bad, bad. The Forever Purge. Uh, they're starting to market that. That's coming okay. out now. So that's the fourth movie of the series. Yeah. Produced by the guy who wrote and directed the first three. Okay. Directed by a new guy. And uh, it's about, in Texas, about a bunch of assholes who are like, that one night of purging ain't enough. We're going to keep it going. That sounds about right. And uh, they said... It would probably happen in Florida, too. It would happen. Anywhere there's a border, anywhere there's minority, decent minority population would happen. They talk about this uh, interview about how I found this interesting. They, they claim to have done a lot of work in... And I want to see how this manifests in the movie. A lot of work in trying to represent Mexican communities and cultures, non, uh, native peoples, cultures, and stuff like that. That they really immerse themselves in a lot of stuff in making this crazy, hyper-violent, you know, uh, people with crazy masks movie. I thought the movie was just about people with crazy masks. But apparently they were like, no, we have to represent Mexican culture properly. Well, maybe they're going to go back to the Aztecs. There's going to be a lot of set blood sacrifice. Ooh, I'd say I'm done with that. Carving out of still beating human hearts. It doesn't say here that Mel Gibson's a producer, but maybe we <laughs> never know. That could be that could be a lot of fun. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow Two might never happen, according to Emily Blunt. Okay, saying that it's uh, quite simply might be too expensive to get made, and then also just scheduling. I mean, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, Doug Liman, and her trying to get all them schedules together, and all that amount of money. Nah, so that's a bummer. Just have to rewatch the the first one. Uh, you mean Live to Repeat? Live that repeat. It's so funny that they <laughs> they're like the titling was bad. That's why this movie didn't make, make any money. Um, Enola Holmes, two, okay, coming to Netflix. Everyone's coming back. Millie Bobby Brown. As long as everybody's coming back, Millie Bobby Brown's coming back. Uh, Henry Cavill's coming back. All good to go. The guy who plays uh, the leader of the fascists in uh, Peaky Blinders. Which which one's that one? The the which guy is that the the, the other Holmes. Mycroft, uh, the guy who plays Mycroft. Man, I, why can't I picture? I don't watch the Holmes once. Why can't I picture the guy's face? Anyway, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, that he, yeah, he play, play, plays the leader of the fascists. That's fun. <laughs> oh, Drew, this is weird. Bong Joon Ho. Uh huh. One of his next. He's got a few irons in the fire. Well, he, yeah, because Parasite fucking blew him up. Exactly. Even more so, right? Uh, internationally, especially. Yeah. Uh, this newest iron that he just added sounds weird as fuck. It's an animated movie about a fish. Um, specifically, it's reportedly about an invertebrate deep sea fish who believes he's suffering from spinal disc herniation. So it's a fish with no backbone who think he's got a back disease. He thinks he threw out his back. <laughs> what? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That, what? That is creative. <laughs> what? Right, what? Where are we going with this one? That's what I want to know. So you're like animated fish. We've seen this one. Finding Nemo type shit. Shark tail. It's going. It's like no, you haven't seen this one. No, no, no. He he doesn't have a back, but he thinks he threw it out. <laughs> Wait, what? You heard me. Yeah. So uh, what? I, I I want to see that. Also, uh, a back a backless fish with a bad back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, chalk this one up under what. The Bring It On franchise, 
pretty yeah. successful. They made like three of them. Okay. Coming back. I haven't seen a single one. I saw the first one. Is it good? Well, uh, it's got uh, what? Chris and Dustin. Chris and it. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. It's 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 kind of like Mean Girls, where it's surprisingly mm-hmm. on point and funny sure. for what? exactly what it is. It it, it it speaks truth to what it's doing. Yeah. Okay. Well, they made more of them, and now they plan on bringing them back in 2022, and it's gonna be called Bring It On: Colon Halloween, and it's gonna be a horror film. What? <laughs> we got a we got a genre <laughs> genre switch. What? We're going we're going from a cheeky satirical sort of comedy to comedy horror film. Okay. It's about these cheerleaders who like sort of break into this place to to use it for practicing purposes, but then uh, someone starts hidden. picking them off one by oh, one. Yeah. Slasher. It, I think I think they're going slasher okay. from, from how I read the description. At first I thought it was haunted too. Maybe both. Maybe they think haunted. Like Maybe they think it's haunted. Ends up being slasher. You know that type of thing. No. Uh, so bringing on Halloween in 2020. <laughs> Weird. Um, now this looks fun. The Netflix action movie is coming called Kate. Okay. And it's a uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Okay. This lady right uh-huh, here, yeah, right? Yeah, She's yeah. a badass. M M M E W. Here's a couple more. Couple more pictures. I like. I like this picture. Can I pull up this one? Yeah. Here we go. Oh, it's all weird. It's like uh, yeah. she's, all, she's all bloody. She's got sunglasses. Uh-huh. It's an action movie set in Tokyo where she plays an assassin who uh, she has 24 hours to live because uh, she's, she's got poisoned. Okay. And she's got to like do some shit in that 24 hours. Kill a bunch of people because she's already dead. Kill a bunch of people. She makes a friend. <laughs> sounds good. Yeah. I'll watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, sound, it sounds good to me. I'm looking forward to it. I also think uh, low-key... MEW just put together a pretty good action filmography that people don't give her enough credit for going all the way back to I mean she didn't do anything in Death Proof but she was in Scott Pilgrim Uh, I mean even just recently she was in um, Gemini Man yeah I like her in action Birds of Prey yes oh my god she was so funny they call me (laughs) Uh, she wanted to call the Huntress like an arrow lady it's a fucking crossbow that was good stuff the Shang-Chi and the Nine Rings. Ten Rings. How many rings are there? I don't know. Ten Rings. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings and uh, Ryan Reynolds. Right, the Ryan Reynolds. Free Guy, both Disney movies. Free Guy being a, a Fox movie. And now Disney owns it. They are getting officially 45-day theatrical windows before they get available uh, in some sort of VOD, like $20 or rent capacity, uh, which people were wondering if Disney was going to do that, if they were going to wait for Black Widow to see how that does before. And they, I guess they could still change their mind. Yeah. But, like, were they going to put Shang-Chi out directly on, um, the, D+. on the D+. But they're getting um, theatrical exclusive releases for both that cool. and, and Free Guy uh, this summer. So people need to start going to the theaters or else they, they ain't going to keep doing that. Free Guy, a.k.a. GTA, the meta video game. Yeah. 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 That's all it is. Ryan, right? Ryan Reynolds is an NPC. That's all it is. He he's knows. An, he's yeah. in the game. He knows. He's an NPC who breaks free. Like, we get it, right? Yeah. We need to know more. I mean, it's got Ryan Reynolds, so it's going to be funny. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's going to get old Ryan Reynolds charm. Uh, it is directed by Sean Levy, who I, I guess his best movie is maybe Real Steel. Maybe. That's all right. He, he's, he's directed huge hits. I, I don't like any of his movies. Um, Dave Bautista talked to Collider, and he talked about the character of Drax, and he had some very interesting things to say. Here's a guy who's not afraid to maybe... You know, he's not necessarily burning the bridge down, but he is, like, standing at the edge of it lighting some matches. 
Okay. And just yeah, let's see what happens. You know, um, he's talking about the role of Drax. That role changed the tra- trajectory of my life. It's always going to be special to me. Now that I'm four films in, I really wish they would have invested more in Drax personally because I think he has more story to tell. I think he has a really interesting backstory that they dropped the ball on. That's no dig on Marvel. They had their slate. I know what they're focused on. But man, I think they really missed the ball on Drax. Uh, and he talked about at one point like they should just reboot this character down the line with a new new character or a new actor and and give him his whole um his own story and everything because he really thinks there's a lot there. Um, he said that they leaned into the comedic side really hard and they ignored the whole destroyer part. Yeah. Um, he says we missed a huge boat on that character. I don't think it'll ever come back around. I'm really looking forward to finishing out this whole journey. Uh, but I find that very interesting that he's like. You know, we had a we had a real opportunity here with Marvel, and they kind of blew it. He tells them. Uh, you know, what said something even worse than that. That was really funny. Mickey Rourke, who I mean, sort of fuck him anyway, yeah. but he was Whiplash in Iron Man two. He he put out a, a a post on his Instagram that was a bunch of pictures from Law and Order SVU, uh-huh. and he had this long rambling post full of just crazy worded post about how. Uh, due to the pandemic and him working out at home, for, being forced to work out at home, that he got turned on accidentally to Law & Order SVU. And he's like, this is the greatest writing ever. These are the greatest actors ever. Uh, Mariska Hargitay, uh, uh, Maloney, Ice-T, he was naming them. You're all incredible. Just effusive, effusive about the show. And then at the very, very end of this long post, he was like, you guys are doing real acting, not like that Marvel shit. <laughs> Just fucking crazy shot yeah. at Marvel, man. Uh-huh. He's he's angry because he didn't get a recurring villain. He's Egypt. because he was in one of the bad Marvel movies. Yeah, one of the worst ones, right? And uh, also, in that one, um, Emily Blunt revealed recently that she had to turn down um, Black Widow for Iron Man Two. That she wanted that role, had to turn it down because of scheduling conflicts with Gulliver's Travels, a movie that she didn't want to be in. Mm. But she had already signed the contracts, uh-huh. and she was on board for that, and she couldn't get out of it. Uh, and she was all mad, all sad, I guess, about missing all that. But then meanwhile, now that it's all these years later, she's like, now, I don't know. Just, now I, she thinks the whole series, the whole superhero genre is fucked out. Not her words, which that, no. she essentially was like, it's it's uh, it's too much. It's saturated. She, there's nothing for her in it for her now that she sees well she, back then she wanted to work with Robert Downey Jr. And uh, she saw it as a fun opportunity. It's crazy. And, um, oh, where did my email go? Here we go. Oh my God. So much juice. So many goddamn stories. The, um, the Thor screenwriter talked about real quick in an interview, how Kenneth Branagh deserves more credit for casting, um, uh, Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemsworth in their respective roles, because he's the one who saw the potential for them and kind of fostered them a little bit. Uh, to cast unknowns at that time, and now they're all blown up. And, oh, yeah, now they're fucking Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, they, they fucking <clears throat> goddamn, they're they're huge stars and shit. But at the time, Hiddleston was just a a, a stage person. Apparently, oh, okay. he, he, he was coming from theater, which is fascinating. I had no idea. Uh, and Thor was just a ruggedly handsome Australian. <laughs> he was a dude who was in the opening scene <laughs> of a Star Wars of a Star Trek movie. Yeah, this Australian guy, this young Australian guy, he played the young dad. That's all he did. Um, I remember walking out of that Star Trek movie, and like, man, I want, I want to, I want to know more about this, uh, this guy's dad. 
James, he seemed Captain, he seemed kind of cool. Captain Kirk's dad was pretty cool, man. I don't know. I want to see more from this guy. Uh, well, I mean, he was a Norse god, so. Oh, apparently, yeah, we had no idea. We thought he was just a dude. No, he's a Norse guy. Martin Freeman talks about talking to Ryan Coogler. He did this interview. This is very funny, actually. Um, how uh, he was told about the plans for Black Panther 2. And what did he say? It's, it's very fascinating. Where is it? That essentially, Ryan Coogler was telling him what the, what the plan was for Wakanda Forever. And he... Uh, Freeman says that the look on his face must have betrayed that he was like, what the fuck? Because at one point, Ryan Coogler was like, trust me, this is going to work. <laughs> and Freeman's like, well, all right. Well, if you say so, bro. Yeah, so uh, they're trying something pretty big, apparently, for, for this movie. Uh, obviously, they have to get around the whole, uh, our, our, our guy is dead mm-hmm. yeah, due, yeah. To, due to the cancers. But yeah, that's a bar. Um, switching over to DC, James Gunn reveals that he wrote the role of King Shark in The Suicide Squad with Sylvester Stallone in mind. So weird. 100%. He was like, I, hey, I'm, well, I mean, I'm a shark. I, it's kind of like, well, I mean, <laughs> maybe that's why James Gunn, maybe maybe he wrote the Groot part specifically for Vin Diesel. He does things like that. I am Groot. Yeah, he's like, I can imagine Vin Diesel <laughs> speaking like a slow tree. And he's like, I can picture Stallone speaking like a dumb shark. Hey, he kind of does yeah. speak like a dumb shark at this point in time. I'm hungry. <laughs> right, absolutely. Um, also, someone tweeted at James Gunn: Will there be a um, a mid credits scene for the Suicide Squad? And then James Gunn responded: "Quote a question mark," <laughs> meaning there will be multiple yeah. mid credit scenes. Guardians of the Galaxy Two had like five mid credit scenes. Um, so yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be sitting there to, all the way to the end of the credits on that movie whenever it comes out. Man, I just I just hope James Gunn sticks to the name of the fucking title. The Suicide Squad. Yeah, I want more people to die. Oh yeah, no, the big a big part of the marketing is uh, don't get attached anyway. <laughs> they they've been saying this. Like, I mean, do not get attached ex- to any character except for maybe Peacemaker because apparently. I expect I expect Peacemaker to die because they have a whole show for him on HBO. <coughs> That'll so, be a prequel. Yeah. Yes, yes, the Avengers of Peacemaker and some shit. Absolutely. Uh, that's what I expect. That's <laughs> the only one I expected that. Everyone else is like, oh boy, up in the air. Uh, maybe Polka Dot Man will live. The uh, Zack Snyder tossing a whole lot of water on plans for the Justice League sequel so eventually comes out. He says, um, quote, Warner Brothers has been aggressively anti-Snyder, if you will. So, uh, don't know. People, yeah, no. people are, keep asking for it. It ain't going to happen. We don't want it. I, I don't even want it. We anymore. don't. We, we don't need it. We don't want it. We. I got the Snyder cut. I'm fine with that. I can imagine the rest. We're yeah. we're all good. Let's jump to some TV stuff here, real quick. Um, Legends of Hidden Temple. Okay, coming back, baby. What? You ready for this? Do 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 do. Can you name the teams? We got the blue. Uh, there, uh, I mean, there, there were some parrots. There were jaguars. <laughs> there were. There were the monkeys. There were the blue barracudas. There were the green monkeys, the red jaguars, purple parrots, and orange iguanas. Okay. And uh, the new one will be on the CW. It's a CW reboot. Okay. And instead of kids running the course, it will be adults. <laughs> I hope they get some of the kids who ran on the original one as adults to run in this one. That would be fun. That would be good times, actually. 
Uh, also, let's not forget that the original Legend of the Hidden Temple was a rigged show in which uh, yes. they only had a fixed number of prizes to give away every season. Uh-huh. So they just had their um, when people ran that final course when they ran through the temple, they were they know they could do whatever they wait, wanted. I gotta grab. Yep. Yeah, they could very easily rig it so that they can't they couldn't go on. So frustrating to find that out now as an adult. I think that feels like wasting my time. Like, man, I watched this show and these kids couldn't even win. You're forcing me to watch these children lose week to week. Fuck you guys. Yeah, but you thought they had a chance, Chris, and that made you watch. That did make me watch. And then also made me want to be on the show. And also, I just saw on TikTok uh, someone share with me the video of someone be like, hey, I'm casting for Legend of Hidden Temple. Do you want to be on it? Hit me up. Here's the email. So they're like actively so casting weird. for the show. And they're using TikTok to do it. Um, Ellen DeGeneres is ending her show. Oh shit! Pfizer, Pfizer sneeze, Pfizer sneeze number two. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres officially ending her show with at nineteen seasons uh, in the year twenty twenty two. I haven't cared for nineteen seasons. What? Why? Why should I care now? Because it is part of the fallout of her. Like I'm such a nice person, but then all those reports came out about the toxic work culture that's okay. around her, and then she lost like a million viewers in the last year okay. or something. So it's a seismic shift in daytime TV, Drew. As Ellen goes down, who will fill the void? Um, Kelly Clarkson's been uh, okay. her show's gaining popularity so uh, until she does something stupid until she does something stupid so we have another 10 to 15 years of you ignoring Kelly Clarkson okay cool awesome I'm just letting you know who to ignore next yeah alright I mean, I've, been, I've been ignoring her her whole career so <laughs> so it's been going well already yeah you've had practice yep that's good and um Joe Exotic is was a show is a show being developed by NBC. Uh, Kate McKinnon is uh, producing it. Oh, and can, can she be Joe Exotic? <laughs> no, be, I don't think that, that would be, be amazing. That'd be so good. <laughs> yeah, see, your idea is already better than whatever the fuck they were doing. Um, she will be Carol Baskin. Okay, that works. That works. I'm okay with that. John Cameron Mitchell uh, will be Joe Schreibvogel. Uh, and originally it was going to be a cross-platform show where it was going to be on NBC. It was going to be on other um, Universal-owned channels and on Peacock. But now that the show is in development, they have switched their plans and it will be a uh, Peacock-only release, this limited series. Um, and the rumor is it's because... It's too weird. Yes, <laughs> that, it, it got weird. It got real weird real quick. And yes. they were like, you know what? We can't put this on regular TV. A hundred percent. I mean, this is a great idea, but we cannot put this on regular TV. That is one hundred percent correct. <laughs> um, now, let's, speaking of TV and network TV, let's run down all the shows that have just been canceled, and let's see how many of them we actually know. Uh, did you know Katie Seagal's had a show called Rebel? Nope. Uh, it just premiered last month. Okay. Canceled. Okay. <laughs> Sure. Did you know Kyra Sedgwick has a, a sitcom called Call Your Mother? Nope. Canceled. Done. Um, you know that show Blackish? Vaguely. They're going into their final eighth season. Okay. They have a spinoff show called uh, Mixed Ish. Okay. Canceled. Okay. But that's fine because they also have Grown Ish on like a free form or something. Okay. So, so it's it's wild actually how many spinoff shows that one did. Um, there's a legal drama called For Life. Actually, so. that's the one where the guy was in jail and he becomes a lawyer in jail and then he's trying to get himself out of uh, prison uh, and then he also helps like other people. It's sort of like Law and Order, but from within a prison. Okay. Uh, canceled. <laughs> um, American Housewife is another show that I've never heard of. Canceled. These are all ABC shows. 
shows that have been renewed include The Connors. That's that Roseanne Less Roseanne show. Okay. Right? Apparently that's still going. Uh, the Goldbergs is one that I've actually heard of. That mm. one's still going. I haven't heard of any of these other ones. And uh, meanwhile, Netflix, uh, where's the Netflix one? They uh, they canceled a number of shows themselves uh, that are like, how do you expect anyone to even know that this stuff is out there? And then you, one season, they're done. There must have been how few people Watched were, were yeah. watching these things that no one's ever heard of that they're like, you know what? Fuck it. We're, we're cutting our losses after one season. Um, I have a whole section here on hot goss. Oh, man. And we're out of time, too. Uh, John Mulaney. Checked himself into rehab. Okay, for uh, getting back into the alcohols, and he likes uppers. He said in okay. the in the past, he's an uppers guy, and uh, checked himself out of rehab and left his wife. Okay, well, that's interesting. Uh, that was like a month ago. Already dating Olivia Munn. That was quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, John Mulaney making moves. John Mulaney. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he didn't love his wife while he was sober. <laughs> yeah it's like I gotta get fucked up uh, but my wife makes me drink and then he got sober he's like this sucks and then uh, now he's with Olivia Munn and uh, who knows what they're doing um, Seth Rogen has a book coming out so okay. like every fifth story out there is Seth Rogen related uh, one of the biggest stories though about Seth Rogen is how he's uh, now officially publicly had to distance himself from his uh, longtime friend James Franco well I mean because of his sexual uh, uh, misgivings I mean have, ha- I mean, James Franco had that look <laughs> in his eyes since the day I saw him like you know yeah. what this guy's a weirdo. He's grossly predatory and it's bad. Uh-huh. And Rogan, um, he uh, I mean, you guys enabled saw, him a lot. I mean, you guys over saw years. You, you guys saw Spring Breakers, right? I have a feeling that was the real him. That was closer to the real Rogan than you guys know, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, but that shit goes back years. And Rogan has yeah. continued to work with him. And uh, Charlene Yee is an actress who she was on Disaster Artist, and she said that. Um, when she was on that is when a bunch of accusations came out based on the set of uh, The Deuce. And she was like, I am no longer comfortable working around this person, so I want to leave. Seth Rogen being the producer was like, instead of you leaving, which would then cause people to, ask, to yeah. ask questions. Instead of you leaving, how about we give you more money and we give you a bigger role and you shut up? And then I can't remember what her response was. I think she Probably did yes. just. I think no. I think she did leave. Okay, good I, for her. I think she did leave at that time. She's like, I can't do that. And um, and then Rogan like obviously made the movie anyway, the disaster artist. And it's been a couple of years since then. Now he's like, okay, fine. I'll I'll, I'll uh, reevaluate our relationship, et cetera, et cetera. And then Charlene E. put a post where like, well, here are the names of the people on the deuce that came out publicly with their accusations. You owe them an apology as well. So. Gotta gotta put that all putting all that out there ahead of these other Seth Rogen stories. Um, he talked about a time when he met George Lucas, and uh, back in the year 2012. Uh, and where is it? This was um, he says very quickly. The conversation turns to how's it going? George Lucas says not great. We're nearing the end of 2012, and the world is going to end. Essentially. To which me and Evan are like, is he joking? Uh, a question that still haunts me, and I think I know the answer is, was he joking? It did not appear he was joking, so we tried the prod, and we were making jokes like, what's supposed to happen? Oh, a giant fault is going to happen. It's a fault line. So George Lucas, back in 2012, thought a fault thought line. Thought the big quake was coming. Yeah, which is uh, hysterical to think this guy is like quavering in his basement, like, oh my good, grabbing yeah. his Millennium Falcon. Uh-huh, yep, yep. Um... Seth Rogen also 
talking about how when he was making the Green Hornet, they met up with Nicolas Cage to play the role of the villain. And he said that uh, Nicolas Cage immediately, within a minute of meeting him, they're sitting in his living room and he launches into a monologue in a Jamaican accent where he wants to play the villain as a white Jamaican. And he says the monologue, you're not Gary Oldman, dude. Yeah, exactly. Not Gary Oldman. Uh, The monologue he's doing is not from the movie. Like it's just something he's making up. And uh, they were convinced that he not only didn't read the script, but wasn't even sure what the green Hornet was and just knew that he was, that it was called the green Hornet and they wanted him for the villain. That's all he knew. And then Nicholas cage just responded to that where he said that uh, Seth Rogen is a funny guy and a good storyteller. I wish him the best of luck. <laughs> so just being trying to be like a classy guy. Like I'm not even going to engage in this Jamaican accent thing at the moment. Meanwhile, Dave Chappelle reveals that he used to buy weed off Idris Elba. That makes sense. I just that tracks. He was doorman at a comedy club before he got his break on uh, the wire as Stringer Bell. And uh, as the doorman, he would hook up people with marijuanas, which includes Dave Chappelle, who just he just blew up his spot. Yep. But it's like 16 years later. So I was about fine. to say, it, I'm sure he doesn't, I'm sure Idris Elba doesn't sling weed anymore. And if he does, maybe he should stop. I just saw, are you slinging weed anymore? You should probably stop. And if you are, give me a call. I want some of that I just over weed. Um, man, I got a whole section of stories here that uh, I'm going to, you know what? They're all, they're all dumb. This one's funny, though. I mean, it's funny in a sad way. Lakeith Stanfield, he got in on the Clubhouse app. That's the, the app where I don't know exactly how it works, but it's all about, you can actually use it to talk. It's like an open two-way radio that's just open to anyone who goes into a Clubhouse room. Okay. So you can host a room, people can join the room, and then you can communicate with each other audibly. So Lakeith Stanfield joined a room, and then people noticed he was in the room, so made him they made him a moderator in the chat and then somehow it got anti-semitic and people started talking about like louis farrakhan oh no and yeah and then he was like no 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 i got i gotta go and then he had to put out a statement and be like this thing happened i i'm not with it uh he had to get out ahead of it it's super funny like man oh, yeah yeah you gotta be careful of this terrible world that you yep <laughs> that you navigate um and then tatiana maslani star of Orphan Black mm-hmm. that show Orphan Black and she's going to be She-Hulk for Marvel coming yeah, up here pretty she was soon. in uh, Perry Mason she was in season one of Perry Mason she was great in that show um, she teaming up with John Carpenter to make a podcast what? that will be a continuation of Orphan Black so Orphan Black is continuing now as a podcast as an audible as an audible <laughs> As an audible, <laughs> it's an audiobook and John Carpenter is developing it with, uh, with her which is like so weird John Carpenter's in the podcast. Yep. Well, he's an old man. He has no idea what he's doing. Yeah, but he's also like into weed and basketball and video games. So yeah. I sort of tracks. Like he can listen to a podcast while he plays this NBA 2K. Uh-huh. It's folks weed. Yeah. Hello weed. Hello weed. And then makes his music. Um, okay, guys, we are done. We so ran out of time. So thank you, True Chicago. You're welcome, Chris. And you are welcome, listeners, for this week's show. Uh, we'll be back next week with 437. Go to patreon.com slash Crespodiso. Sign up for all the bonus stuff. And uh, bye-bye. A PFT Media Production.